Our scripture this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 22 through 30. Hear now the word of the Lord. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he spent some time there with them and baptized. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim, because water was abundant there, and people kept coming and were being baptized. John, of course, had not yet been thrown into prison. Now, a discussion about purification arose between John's disciples and a Jew. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the one who was with you across the Jordan to whom you testified, here he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, no one can receive anything except what has been given from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love that Peanuts cartoon where Linus says to Charlie Brown, when I get big, I'm going to be a humble little country doctor. I'll live in the city, see? And every morning I'll get up, climb into my sports car, and zoom into the country. Then I'll start healing people. I'll heal people for miles around. I'll be a world-famous humble little country doctor. I think that Linus probably has a few things to learn about humility. He gets that it's supposed to be a, a good thing, but he doesn't realize how incompatible it often is with fame and success. Now, I suspect that most of us would like to think of ourselves as humble, and yet surely humility is an underrated virtue. When most of us think about what we would like our children to be when they grow up, most of us do not think, I want my child to be humble. No, we want them to be successful and educated and productive. I mean, how else will we plaster all of their accomplishments all over social media so that we can feel validated and important? And so we push our kids to succeed and to achieve and to be the best. And as a result, our kids grow up craving success, craving admiration, craving affirmation. And not that any of these things are bad in and of themselves, but they do have a tendency to create self-absorbed egos who think that the world revolves around them and their accomplishments. Now, John the Baptist was certainly a wild success. I mean, he was basically a a first-century celebrity in Israel. People came from far and wide to hear him preach and to be baptized. Of course, John was not your typical celebrity. He certainly did not live in the big city and drive his fancy car out into the country to preach. No, he lived out in the wilderness wearing ragged clothing and eating locusts and wild honey. And despite all of his popularity and success... John could teach Linus 
and the rest of us a few things about humility. Now, according to our text, John's disciples were beginning to feel a bit of a rivalry between John and Jesus. You see, they thought that John was pretty special, sent from God, one of the prophets of old, the voice crying out in the wilderness as foretold by the prophet Isaiah. And they had committed their lives to following him and, and learning from him. And they had to feel pretty affirmed by all of John's incredible success. I mean, it always feels pretty good when your team is number one, doesn't it? And for the past several months, John had been the hottest ticket in town. I'm sure everyone kept telling him that he ought to go start a megachurch. But then one day, Jesus comes along, and the crowd started switching over to the new show in town. And John's disciples were not very happy about it. After all, if Jesus was the main act, then that means that John was not. And the last thing you want to discover is that you have bet your life on the wrong horse. That you have wasted your fleeting years chasing after the wrong things. That you've pursued the wrong purpose. And so feeling a bit jealous for their leader and perhaps for their own bruised egos, his disciples come to John and say, hey, everyone's leaving us and going over to the new guy, the one who came to you to be baptized. But rather than clinging to his popularity, John is not the least bit concerned about the size of his crowd. For he knows that his success was not meant for his own glory, but so that he might lead other people to Jesus. And in an incredible act of humility, John says to them, You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase. I must decrease. Bible scholar Dale Bruner writes, is there a more precise description of the psychology of Christian ministry? It's a wonderful question to ask, especially on this day where we are ordaining and installing elders and deacons as leaders for our church. For in many ways, being a Christian leader is about learning how to decrease how to keep our own egos in check by pointing away from ourselves and lifting up Jesus. Of course, that's not something that comes naturally for most of us. No, we've been taught to to climb our way to the top, to become important, to gain and use power to get what we want. I mean, that's how most of us got where we are in life. And so it's not easy for most of us to play second fiddle, 
to not be the center of attention, to play a supporting role, to be the servant rather than the master who seeks not to be successful and popular and glorified, but faithful and obedient. But in John's response, he teaches us the key to Christian humility and the art of decreasing. We have to be clear about who Jesus is. And we have to be clear about who we are. When John's disciples were becoming worried that his celebrity status was in jeopardy, John says to them, haven't you been listening? I told you that I'm not the one. I'm not the Messiah. I have been sent ahead of him so that I might prepare the way for him. I am but the friend of the bridegroom. John was referring to that very special person in a Jewish wedding called the Shoshban. According to scholar William Barclay, the Shoshban acted as the liaison between the bride and the groom, arranging the wedding, sending out the invitations, presiding over the wedding feast. But he had one critical job, and that was to guard the bridal chamber that night until the bridegroom arrived. Only when he heard and recognized the sound of the bridegroom's voice outside in the darkness would he open up the door and let the groom in. Then he would go away rejoicing, for his mission was now complete. His friend had arrived, and he had brought the bride and the groom together. And now he was content to step off the stage and out of the spotlight. See, John is playing on one of the great images from the Old Testament, where Israel is portrayed as the bride of Yahweh. See, God's relationship with Israel was so unique and so intimate that it was often likened to a marriage. So that when Israel went off after other gods and worshipped them, it was as if she had committed adultery. And it is this image that John has in mind here. You see, he, under, he understood that, that Jesus was the Messiah of God, and that therefore Israel was his rightful bride, not John's. Now John's role was to be the Shoshban the friend of the bridegroom who brought the, the Messiah together with Israel, his bride. See, John had no delusions of grandeur or, or, or selfish ambitions because he was clear about who Jesus was and who he was. His only desire was to be the faithful friend and now that the bridegroom had arrived and John recognized his voice, he went away rejoicing greatly because his mission was now complete and it was time for him to get out of the way. Therefore, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. 
when you are clear about who Jesus is, you don't have to try to play Messiah in your life or in other people's lives or in the church. You don't have to try to be important or to fix everything or to save anyone. That's Jesus' job. Our job is to humbly serve Jesus by pointing others to him with all that we do. And as I said last Sunday, everything that we have in life, all of our blessings have been given to us so that we might fulfill that purpose. Notice John said, no one can receive anything except what has been given from heaven. In other words, none of John's success was because he was just so amazing, so brilliant, so hardworking. No, it had all been given to him by God. It was God who called him to preach, God who gave him the words to say, God who brought people to hear him so that they might repent and become ready for the Messiah. It was God who made his ministry flourish so that John might fulfill the role that he had been born to play. So John's success wasn't really John's at all, but God's. And John was very clear about this. Same is true for you and me. Everything that we have in life has been given to us from heaven. None of us deserves it. It's all been a, a gracious gift from God. We are but stewards, caretakers of all of our gifts and resources and blessings so that we might fulfill the purpose that God has given us to play our part in the Savior's mission wherever God has put us. Our families, our jobs, our volunteer positions, they're really just platforms for serving Jesus. Some of you have, have very important roles in organizations. Others have been elected to prestigious boards, but that's not an opportunity to be glorified, but to glorify Jesus. Our relationships were not given to us just as an end in and of themselves, but as an opportunity for us to show others the love of Jesus. Ushering, singing in the choir, teaching Sunday school, serving communion, leading a grace group, being elected as an elder or a deacon. It's not about being in the spotlight, but about pointing others to Jesus. All of our skills, knowledge, Positions, resources, relationships, and success have been given to us by God so that we might follow in the footsteps of John and humbly serve the Savior's mission while resisting the urge to displace Him. And when you realize that, you don't have to cling so tightly to it all anymore. You can 
let go of any of it much more easily as you wait in faith for the next thing that God wants to give you, the next thing that God is calling you to do because your ego is not at stake. Retirement is not the end of your life. It's just time for a new calling. God has something else he wants you to do. An empty nest is not the end of your purpose. It's just time to serve Jesus in other ways. You see, if you remain clear about who Jesus is, the singular saving Lord of the world and the giver of all that you have, and if you remain clear about who you are, a friend of the bridegroom whose purpose is to serve and glorify Jesus with all that you have and all that you do, then as John discovered, learning to decrease so that Jesus might increase becomes not a threat to your ego, but the secret to freedom and joy. Now, it is my hope for this church that it become known not for its pastors or its preaching, not for its buildings or its stained glass windows, not for its music or its programs, not even for its generosity and its mission work. No, it is my hope that IPC become known as a church where Jesus Christ is glorified. As a place where the risen Savior might be found, where he is alive at work in our midst, calling each of us to join him in his mission to reclaim this world for the kingdom of God, that it might become a little bit more on earth as it is in heaven. And the primary role of our elders and deacons is to listen for the bridegroom's voice and then to lead all of us in responding with joyful and humble obedience. But we have to remain clear about who we are and who Jesus is. Only then can we learn to decrease so that he might increase to the end that every knee should bend. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory, not of ourselves, but to the glory of God. May it be so.